But it's lovely to see you. We want to tell you that there's a little gift and a reminder for you. There's a little fridge magnet, people. We're bringing fridge magnets back. They're on your, in front of you, on the pew in front of you. And maybe if you are needing some motivation to exercise and you just are drawn to the fridge and you get there and you see this saying, move again, that's just this fridge saying, move again, move away, move away. Take that if you want. Just a joke. Anyway, but you can take that home with you and a little encouragement to move again. 2022 is a year that we've been saying again and again that Hollywood did not see coming. We actually, I'm amazed as somebody reminded me today that, that actually the, the world was supposed to end in 2012, people. So um, we, we're still here, according to Hollywood. Look at us. We're still here. We were doing well. But as I was reflecting on this year, and there's uh, many challenges, many hardships, many struggles, that lie behind us and definitely ahead of us. I just want to remind you that, and I, as Christ followers, that you were made for this time. You were made for this time. And let me tell you, this time was made for you. You were made for this time. How do I know that? Well, actually, as I read Scripture, the Apostle Paul is no longer alive. Moses, David, all the, all the, the, the heroes of the Bible, all the, the saints of old are no longer alive. That God in His infinite wisdom chose you and I as the greatest chess player of all time. God Almighty chose us to be alive in 2022 in this city facing these challenges, but actually coming out victorious through them for this time. You were made for this day. This day was made for you. And that needs to put courage in our hearts because we really are believing afresh as we look at 2022 that this is a year, we want to just keep declaring it uh, into our hearts, that this is a year that giants will fall. We want to believe that this is a year that cycles will be broken, that futures will be walked into, that this is a year of opportunities, and we want to declare that. And two years ago, as a leadership, we wrote this, this phrase, this reminder to remind our hearts that we still believe in the local church. We still believe that the church is God's vehicle, God's plan A for the hope of the world. And this is what we wrote. We wrote this, I believe in the power of the local church. Not called to follow the world, but to lead. Not called to be influenced, but to influence. Not set apart to hide, but set apart to shine for his glory. Not called to be a church on a block, but a city on a hill. Not boring in its ventures, but risk-taking in the goodness of their God. Not impotent slaves waiting for their master's return, but empowered sons and daughters taking ground in his power. The church is awesome. She has never been more challenged, but she has also never been more full of potential. The vision for and of the local church is never any man's. Then it, it is not of this world and will always never, it will never lack the power of heaven's army behind it. The vision for and of the local church is the vision of the bridegroom and of his bride. This is the local church. We really believe this still in our heart, and Vision Sunday comes once a year for us at the beginning of the year where we, we almost reorientate our, our hearts to what lies ahead, because it's our hearts, it's in man's hearts, is prone to look behind us and look around us and get discouraged, but actually God is calling us that He's leading us onwards and upwards in Christ Jesus, and we want to remind our hearts of that, and for us, if you're new to the story, life change vision doesn't change year in and year out. Our vision remains the same. We exist to reach far, raise up, and to release wide. For us, reach far means that actually we exist to reach those who are far from Christ because we believe that God's grace will keep reaching. It'll keep reaching where you think you've got to your end, where somebody's written off God's grace will keep reaching. So too must the church then keep reaching because we're a picture of God's grace to this world. We gotta keep reaching far. Secondly, we wanna be raising up because for us, the mantra of the church is come as you are, but don't stay as you are. 
be changed by God's grace, that actually God has more for you, that actually He wants to cut off chains, and He wants to set you free so that you can walk into the fullness that God has and ultimately release wide because as we said again and again, we were not made for white picket fence Christianity, but we were made for revival in every sphere we find ourselves. We believe that Life Change Church doesn't just have one, two, three, four, five pastors, that actually every week we get to release thousands of pastors from our different congregations into our city. That pastors who, who masquerade as chiropractors, who masquerade as teachers, who masquerade as conveyances, as construction workers, who masquerade as accountants, but actually have the kingdom inside of them and say, actually, that's just the entryway for me to bring the kingdom of God. That's what we live for. That's what burns in us. But as we said, we don't need a new vision every year. But we do, in a, we, as a leadership, we push our hearts and we ask afresh of God. Saying, God, we want to hear your voice fresh. We don't want to just hitch our wagon to this and say, that's what we're doing for till the end of time. We want to say, God, help us and the, understand the nuance of our times and the days we live. So we, we asked again. We, have, we wanted courage to ask again. We needed the, the, the demanding us of fresh faith. And because we, we need to keep hearing his voice together. So for us, this phrase came out, this phrase, an unction from heaven, move again, move again. And for us, it has two folds to it. In one sense, we're asking God to move again. We're asking God, we're saying, heaven, God, move again. We don't want just religion. We don't want just form and function. We need your spirit. We don't want business as usual. After COVID, it's the worst thing for the church just to go back to business as usual. We need a fresh outpouring of his spirit. God, move again. Renew your fame in our day. But also, we also are not only asking God to move again, we believe God is asking us, his people, to move again. There's a reflection of heaven saying, move again. And that leads us to what we're gonna be on for the next eight to 10 weeks after this Sunday. Next week, we start a series for the book of Exodus. And we're gonna be going through the Old Testament book. Yes, in 10 weeks, we're gonna cover 40 chapters. And we're gonna dig into the word of God together. But for us, it's, it's gonna be so powerful because this is the echo, the cry, we believe, of Exodus. Move again. You see, the people of God in the book of Exodus were, had been enslaved for 430 years. 430 years, they'd lost their identity, they lost their purpose, they lost their sense of where they'd come from, and they'd just become defined as Pharaoh's playthings. They'd been defined by the number of bricks they could make in a day. They're defined by the sweat and the whip on their back. They're defined by what they do and who, not who they are. They've forgotten that they are God's people and he's got a plan and a destiny for them. But what God does in his great mercy, he raises up a redeemer, a deliverer called Moses. And Moses' name literally means to draw out or to move out. That's the name of Moses. The name of Moses himself is a mini picture of what God wants to do in the Exodus. He sends a deliverer, and this deliverer, Moses, goes, and he goes to the, the top Pharaoh, and he declares over all of Egypt, God's heart for his people, let my people go so that they may worship me. Let my people go, and Pharaoh's heart is hardened and unmoved, but God then shows the power of his might like never seen before and, and since where plagues rained down and, and, so, and, and broke through and showed the, the falseness, the weakness of the, the, the Egyptian gods and, and deities and showing that there is one true God who wants to set his people free. And then Moses, we get to the, the story in Exodus chapter 12 where it's the, the Passover lamb and this incredible story. I can't wait to preach us through the story. It's gonna, we're gonna systematically go away all the way through it. But this is so powerful. If we understand this, we understand the whole Bible. We understand our lives. 
but the Passover lamb where one lamb was sacrificed for a nation's freedom and people get set free because of a substitutionary atonement. One person, one lamb dies and the nation goes free and they're set free after 430 years of oppression and slavery. And then Moses leads them out of Egypt through the wilderness and then into the promised land. We're not gonna go through that whole narrative tonight, so don't worry. You'll still make it home in time for carte blanche. But I wanna take us to the very middle of the text. Exodus chapter 14, it'll be on the screen behind me. But in verse nine, this is where we're gonna lead, lean in now. They've had the Passover lamb, they've, the Pharaoh said, go, and they've left in much triumph and procession and singing and, and jubilation. They've left with the wealth of Egypt and they find themselves at the bank of the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, something happens in Pharaoh's heart. As Pharaoh says, actually, what have I done? I, I can't let this free labor go. I can't do that. I need them back. And Pharaoh, with all his chariots, all his might, pursues them and comes to, to haul these 2.53 million slaves back into Egypt. They haven't even stepped into half of their freedom yet. And Pharaoh wants them back. And this is what it says in verse 9. It says, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, Horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Hariroth, opposite Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now we just pause there. Very quickly, the synopsis of where we're at. In Exodus chapter 12, a chapter before this proceeding, as they leave Egypt after 430 years, this is the phrase that's declared over them. It says this, on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. In one day, he transforms a people who were slaves into soldiers. A nation who were defined by their oppression now are defined by their future and the land that they're going to take. They leave as soldiers, from slaves to soldiers. But literally in one chapter, in the first sign of opposition to this future, they went from military to moaners. This is, how's that for alliteration, people? I worked all afternoon on that, so please give me an amen or two. From slaves to soldiers, but then in a moment, one bit of opposition, from military to moaners. Oh, why did you bring us out of Egypt? We should have died there. At least we had graves and tombstones there. Why are we going to die in the wilderness now? Oh, woe is me. And before we get too harsh on them, I want to tell you that actually I think their heart is a lot similar to our hearts. Or maybe I can be honest, my heart. We, we had a words from God that we would go and plant a church called Life Changes Milneton. And, and there's faith in our hearts. And we had this launch of all launches where the friends from around the country came and we were singing and going, wow, this is going to be the greatest church ever. And it was full and burning to, with capacity. And, and people were so full of faith. And I was like, come on, this is going to be amazing. I am the new Billy Graham. And then the next week, all those people disappeared and went back to their churches. And the next week, I stood at the door going, I hope somebody comes. And I remember that very next week going, God, where are you, God? My prayer as the, the week before was, God, give me the nations. Now it's, God, please give me just one family. I'll just take one family, anyone. I was like, you come to church, please. And all of a sudden, I started to doubt what God had revealed to me the, and put courage in. All of a sudden, with one sign of opposition, everything in me wanted to retreat. We planted Life Changes City and a similar sort of reality. God, we're gonna do this. The words are coming in. And the night before we planted, 
I get a, an inbox message from a friend from old who I think that night may, have, may or may not have been drinking too much. But he sends me this message, and I'm full of faith and full of courage. And this message, this guy who knew me from years ago just says, who the hell are you who thinks you can plant a church? And he started to tell me all my faults and where I'd fallen short in his life. I remember just going the day before, ah, come on, we're going to do this thing. And that very moment, the first time of opposition inside of me crumbles. Maybe I'm not the right guy. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And actually, maybe you're saying those are grandiose moments, but I want to tell you, when I read those Egyptians, for me, it actually just sounds like every Monday morning. Am I right? We are here at church, you get a word, you're like, come on, this week I'm going to take on the, the challenges. Monday morning, you're like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Work, addictions, ah, pressure, anger, anxiety, whoa. And we crawl our way through. Actually, we're not much unlike these Egyptians, really, these Israelites. But actually, when I read that story, this narrative that is the wax is lyrical for chapter upon chapter. This whole narrative is redefined and, and, and brought into such a succinct way in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. It says this, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. That's Hebrews rewriting of this extra story. It doesn't tell us anything of their moaning or their weaknesses or their, their grumbling. No, it just tells us that by faith, they moved through. I read that narrative and I don't see much by faith. I see a lot of by grumbling. But I love the fact that God, in his wisdom, rewrites headlines. That I believe that actually maybe you're here today and you feel that you've disqualified yourself so often and you feel so far from the grace of God. Let me tell you today, we have a God who is so eager to rewrite your headline. And he'll tipex out all your failings and he'll remove them as far as the east is from the west. And he's ready and poised to write a new destiny, a new future, a new design. And he'll reframe where you've fallen short and he'll use it for your glory, for his glory if you allow him to. That's the God we serve. The scripture carries on in verse 13. These Israelites are nervous and it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Powerful, powerful point. And actually, you have to understand, remember, up to this moment, God has literally done everything for these people. He's brought the plagues. He's the one, who's, he's the one who came and, and, set the, and set the people free. They literally, the, the height of their exercise was they put blood on the door frames. They've done very little to exercise their freedom up to this moment. So Moses is saying, guys, it's more of the same, be still. And it's, in a sense, it's, it's really cool. It's like a, a great, what would appear, sell nicely on coffee cups, Christian coffee cups, you know, be still. Just be still. Just don't do anything. Be still. And it's, and it's a great line of theology, but actually it's an incomplete line of theology. And how do I know that? Because God himself corrects Moses in the very next verse. Moses is preaching, guys, God's got this. Relax, people. God goes, hold on, Moses. And this is what he says in verse 15, the very next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and I will gain, gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his horsemen and chariots. I love this reality. Moses is saying, God's got this. And yes, he does. But God is also saying, actually, for you, to, for you to know that I've got this doesn't mean you do nothing. If you trust me, then you will move. But there's a Red Sea. Where do we go? Lift your staff and trust me. Trust doesn't mean not doing anything. Trust means hearing his voice and obeying. 
This is the reality, and I, and I really believe that God is saying, we believe that God is saying this to you and I again to afresh, move. To a people in the last two years who've become, uh, who've become inebriated in our own sense of, of sedentary nature, where we, hey, we can't do anything, we feel like we're helpless, we feel we're handicapped, we feel we're handcuffed to our situation. Oh, COVID has become the excuse of all excuses for anything, let's be honest. COVID, oh, terrible. God is saying, actually, I am a, uh, yes, I see the reality, but faith is not a denial of the reality, it's the acknowledgement of the superior reality that he is on the move. And he's saying, I'm on the move. I'm, as I move, you move. Move. And the movement is coming back to the church. So I want to say today with a prophetic unction, maybe you're secretly addicted and nobody knows. Let me tell you, move. Maybe you're ravaged by anxiety and depression and fear. Move. Maybe there's such insecurity inside your heart and you don't know where to go. I want to tell you, move. And not in your own ability, not in your own strength. Hear his voice and know that he's calling you to move. As he moves, we move. And that's where we talk, and maybe just a couple practical things. We talk about baptism. And maybe you've been thinking, oh, should I, should I not? Let me tell you, he has the word of God to you. Move! Get baptized! Baptism is, a, is actually not just some theory saying, yeah, I, I am saved, I don't need to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 you don't. But actually when we get baptized, we're acknowledging that actually, actually I'm agreeing with what God has done, and I'm moving with him. That's what baptism is. We talk about linked coming up on Tuesday night. And actually for us as a city congregation, linked happens in a place called Tableview. And I know some of you haven't had your passports updated for a while. But I want to encourage you, move. Don't just sit and say, I'll be a spectator. Be a participator with what God is doing. And it might look like, oh, that's just a natural, small natural action. Yeah, but on the back of it, we believe there's a supernatural God who's doing exceedingly more and abundantly than we could have asked, dream, or imagined. So I want to tell you, as we keep reading the story, what happens next? Moses moves. He stretches out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. The waters parted. The Israelites walked through. But then when the Egyptians tried to follow them, they were all killed, in the, and the waters came back down on them. And verse 29 sums it all up by saying, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, in Moses his servant. As we start to bring this into close, I, I, as I read this chapter, chapter 12, it starts off in verse 10 with this phrase, when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they panicked. It starts with them saying, when they saw the Egyptians, they panicked. But then it, it culminates in verse 31 by saying, when they saw the mighty power of the Lord that had been unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe. So today I want to ask us, what do you see? What do you hear? Because I'm telling you, our eyes, our ears, our senses betray us. They start to convince us of what we think is ultimate reality. Right now, can I tell you, God is on the move. And so often, we, 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 our senses will tell us, I am this. I am X, Y, Z. I'm depressed. I'm addicted. I'm, I've been accused. I've been betrayed. I'm bitter. I'm frustrated. And those things are real. But again, we have to see you with eyes of faith. What do you see, Life Change Church? Do you hear the chariots behind you coming to drag you back to Egypt? Or do you see the waters opening up in front of you, a, a, a way in the wilderness? 
towards the promised land? Do you hear the, the giants of Goliath taunting you? Or do you see the stones in your hand that God has given you to slay him? Do you hear the roar of the lions that have been sent to consume you and kill you? Or do you see God's hand preserving you in the midst of them? What do you see? Because God is saying he's about to move. Will we move with him? As we land, there's three directions to our movements. And we'll work this all the way through the series of the book of Exodus. And I'll encourage you, go read the book of Exodus. For the next month, there's 40 chapters. We can be, we're going to be done in the, in the month of April. So start reading a chapter a day and allow the word of God to shape you. But number one, we're going to move out. There's going to be a call to move out. You see, the call of God throughout the book of Exodus, but also throughout the, the, the Bible is this. Let my people go so that they may worship me. That's the cry of God's heart, even today. As I drive to church most Sundays and prepared to preach, I, I, I have this song in my heart that was sung from this Betraying My Age by a man named Matthew Redman. And uh, he was big in the 90s. And uh, a Christian artist who had this song, Let My People Go. And as he sang it, I used to sing it and, and, and sing it again most days because I knew that actually as I was driving past home after home after home that there was broken people in these homes who had no escape. No reason, and they, they thought they were enchained, and I was saying, God, would you break in into those homes? Would you give me that desire that as I preach, I'm not preaching to placate some Christian um, people and trying to keep you safe, and it's going to be okay. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to awaken us to the greater reality that God is in, on the move, and he wants to raise up and call people that were dead alive. And I'm saying, let my people go. 430 years of slavery. But I want to say often it takes more faith to move myself than it does to move the mountains. So often we're praying for big things out there when God says, actually, I just want to move something in here first. And if I can do that, we'll see mountains fall, mountains move. So I want to tell you, move out from slavery. Move out from apathy. Move out from survival to sonship. God has more for us. And I believe freedom is going to come for people. Secondly, we're going to move through. You see, when they came out of Egypt, for, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. The people of, of Israel, the nation, 3 million people, spent 40 years in the wilderness on a journey that should have taken them 11 days. If you go and Google Maps it, from where they were to the promised land, it's an 11-day journey. But because of the hardness of their hearts and, and rebellion, they wandered around in the wilderness. An 11-day journey took them 40 years. And again, before we start going, stupid Israelites, that's me, that's you. So often what God has for us, we just go around and around and actually we got to learn to move through. And I actually want to encourage you, don't settle down. Don't settle in your condition. Don't settle in that diagnosis. Don't settle in that season you're in. I want to tell you, maybe there's a season in this moment. I know there's stories here of real situations. And I, but I want to tell you, God says he's in the story with you, but he's walking you through it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Don't settle there. Don't settle there. You see, in the wilderness, they, they had to understand that God was their provider, he, their healer, their sustainer. They had water from a rock for 40 years. They had food from the sky. They talk about, a, that's a new level of Uber Eats. Food from the sky, people. They had cloud by day, fire by night. They had clothes that didn't wear out. Can I tell you, in Zimbabwe, that would make you a fortune, that technology. Clothes that didn't wear out. And also, Deuteronomy tells us that they had perfect healing in the wilderness. A people in rebellion in the wilderness, though, encountered God as all these realities. How much more for you and I? I want to tell you what God was doing for these people. He's taken them out of Egypt, but for 40 years, he was taking Egypt out of them to show them that I am enough. I am enough. 
I am enough. Though you might have no other resources, I am enough. And I want to encourage you, maybe you're in a tough season with your health, your relationship, your finances. He is enough. He is enough. But move through. Move out, move through, and finally move in. You see, the story doesn't end in the wilderness, but it moves towards the promised land. And I want to encourage you tonight, as we land, take what God has for you. Maybe I'm here to remind you that he has more for you. You see, we're too easily satisfied. I think we are too easily subdued as a people. But a man named A.W. Tozer said this incredible phrase years ago, and it just reverberates in my soul. He said, the time has come for the church to throw down the white picket fence version of Christianity and pick up the danger-encircled path of obedience. I tell you, God is saying, I want to turn slaves into soldiers. I want, to, I want to turn bones into armies. I want to turn graves into gardens. I want to turn seas into highways. And he wants to do it in and through us. But he's saying, he's going to move again. Will we be a people who hear that and say, we're going to move with you. When you move, we move, God. That's who we are as a people. I'd love you to stand to your feet and call the band up as we land. What we're going to be doing for this whole series, we're going to be encouraging you to make big decisions and to, to read the Bible with us, to take out a pen and paper at home and write notes that God is wanting to speak to you. You don't, don't need another mediator. I am not your mediator. Whoever's preaching on a Sunday is not your mediator between you and God. Jesus is the mediator. You have access to him. Allow God to speak. This is the framework as we do this together as a community. And you'll see on my right, we've got this, this board that we've put up here. And I want to encourage you. As the series goes, when you make big decisions for Christ, when you make big decisions, I'm going to move out, I'm going to move through, I'm going to move in. Maybe there's a moment with friends, you're saying, actually, we're trusting for healing. Maybe you're saying, I'm trusting for deliverance. I've made a decision to, to, to step out of this and confess this sin or whatever you're doing. Come take a photo there. Come take a photo there. And as a, a memento, in the Old Testament, they built, they built altars of stones. We, we just don't have that capacity right here. We're, stones are much more expensive than that. So I want to tell you, this is the new economy, though. Let's do that as we own these moments together as a community. We'll look back and go, God, look what you did as we moved again, as you moved again.